the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today. All right, Aubrey, probably a question that most people haven't thought about. And to be honest with you, I haven't really thought about it. You posed it. You sent me an article that was kind of posing this question. Have we made the Bible an idol? So before you and I try to answer that question, why would anyone even ever bring up that question? Yeah, I mean, I I follow, I don't know why I follow all these folks, but I follow a whole stream of people on Twitter who are constantly complaining that evangelical Christians worship the Father the Son and the Holy Bible mm. instead of the Holy Spirit. And that um, the, the criticism is that we have elevated the scriptures um, to something higher than the Lord might have even intended or higher than the Lord. Mm. And um, there was an article over at Relevant Magazine asking that same question, have we made the Bible an idol. And ultimately, um, what this author says is uh, he certainly values the Bible and says that a lot of people say that they value the Bible aren't actually even reading the Bible. Mm. But then there's another stream that maybe talks about how the Bible says it, uh, the Bible um, tells us to say it, and that's it. And there's no room for argument. Um, and then what can happen is that they end up using the Bible for their own means rather than studying the Bible as, you know, this historic communal word of God mm-hmm. uh, given to us from the Lord himself. And I, I, I struggle with this a little bit, Brian. There's mm-hmm. a, um, there's a great quote from uh, Kevin Van Hooser, who's a theologian, uh, Dr. Kevin Van Hooser. And he says, some critics of the scripture, or especially the doctrine sola scriptura, contend that disciples ought to be following Jesus Christ, not a book. That's ultimately what this article is saying and what a lot of these critics say. What he says is, this is an unhelpful and misleading dichotomy. Being biblical is not an idolatrous alternative to following Christ. It is rather the mark and means of genuine discipleship. Mm. And I have sort of always landed where Van Hooser landed. Like, I think it's really unhelpful for people to try to parse out. Um, do we worship the Bible as the fourth member of the Trinity? Do it, it because in one sense, it begins to devalue, I think, the word yeah. of God as this like actual incarnate gift we have from God. Mm-hmm. I think I understand, but I, I struggle to understand why people feel the need to make that point. That's I think that's well put. I like that Van Hooser um, quote there. Now, let's be honest. I think one thing Christians do uh, is they downplay the complexity of the Bible. Um, they, they don't, uh, own the fact that not everything is very, is cut and dry. You know, not everything's black and white every time that you read this passage. Well, everybody believes it means this. Uh, we need to be able to wrestle with the Bible. We need to be able to, 
um, try to uh, really dig into it and study it. With that said, I don't think that in any way devalues the Bible. I think that actually raises the value of the Bible saying, yes, this is God's word to us. Yes. We're going to wrestle with it. But that's ultimately what we believe the Bible is, right? It is the word of God. So is it the fourth member of the Trinity? No, but it is the word to us of God. So, right. to, so to set up that dichotomy, am I going to follow the Bible or Jesus feels really strange. It's like, if I said to you, am I going to uh, follow Aubrey, or am I going to follow what she says? And you're like, there's no difference. Exactly. Like, doing? Exactly. So, um, you know, we talked to, you know, as, as kind of children of the reformation, you talk about sola scriptura, uh, and this, that. So I, I do want to highlight, like, we've got to wrestle with the Bible. We can't just go, well, you know, God said it. We know right. there, there's interpretation, there's background, there's history, there's yes. genre, there's yes. all of this. And when we don't engage in that way, there can be some dangerous uh, outcomes. Yes. Uh, but I don't understand this. Uh, you know what? I'm going to disregard the Bible because I don't like what it says or I don't think. Uh, therefore, I'm just going to look at the words of Jesus and not this. Or I'm just right, going to. Right. This is the word of God. This is right. this is God's revelation to us. Does God reveal himself still in other ways? Sure. But we know he reveals himself through scripture. Absolutely. And so therefore, we have to value it in that way. I don't know. I, I'm with you. I don't understand the diminishing of it. In fact, I probably think that we already diminish it too much. Too much. Right. And we've got to raise our view of scripture. Yeah. I mean, I, I also think there's, it, it seems so basic, but how do we know who Jesus is? That's how right. do we know what Jesus says? How do we know who God is? What God's, how do we know who the Holy Spirit is? How do we know how we ought to live, how we ought to worship, how we ought to follow Jesus? Apart from his word. I mean, mm -hmm. like you said, of course, God reveals himself through general revelation all the time. But the special revelation of the incarnation of Christ is known to us because of the word of God. And mm -hmm. so I just I, I I really, really struggle with the critique and I, I can't quite get my finger on why the Bible is a problem for Christians. So let's try to answer that. Yeah. Why? um and, and uh, this is a painting with a broad brush, but oftentimes yeah. it's people who are more progressive Christians. Yeah. Where this becomes the bigger uh, rallying cry. Right. Uh, what do you think's going on there? I've got some thoughts, but what do you think? Try to answer your own question as to why there seems to be this movement to devalue the yeah, Bible. I, I'm going to say two things that come to mind right away. The first is something you kind of hinted on when we started talking about this is my guess is there are things in scripture that are just too deeply uncomfortable for people mm -hmm. to like submit under the authority of. And there are things in scripture that I have a hard time submitting myself <laughs> yes. under the authority. Like, But I would think especially in today's day and age, words about sexuality words about gender, that's really hard for our current culture to submit and say that that feels good and life-giving. We know that it is because it's God's word, but I would say for culture and for a lot of progressive Christians, that's really difficult. Mm -hmm. I would say the second thing is um, maybe they actually aren't reading the Bible, but I would mm. say the third and maybe the most important is the way it probably has been used against them in their own lives. Like yeah. I'm guessing all of these all of these critiquers have a painful story of how the Bible has been abused, used in an abusive way towards them. 
And then instead of being able to separate God's word from the person who used God's word to abuse them, they're kind of lumping the Bible. So that can give me some compassion. So actually, thank you, Brian, for making me answer that question. Yeah, I do think there's a weaponizing of the Bible that I yeah. think you're probably right on. But I actually, I most agree with the first thing you said there. Uh, I regularly read the Bible and I go, man, I wish it didn't say that. Mm-hmm. Or how am I going to reconcile that? Like if I'm yeah. really going to live under the lordship of God and I'm really going to live um, – under the authority of his word and I don't like what his word says, or it puts, you know, it doesn't match up with either things that I've, you know, thought that I thought or what our culture thinks. Now I've got to wrestle with that as opposed to, you know what, I'm going to kind of make up God in my own image and, and what he would say and what he would think that becomes a little bit more palatable for people. And so uh, I, we do that though. And that is super, super dangerous. And so uh, I think it's an important question. I don't think that we have the danger of making the Bible an idol. In fact, I think that we've probably devalued it and we need to mm, get back to yeah. understanding uh, exactly what it is. Well, coming up next, Jason Romano, host of the Sports Spectrum podcast, also the author of a book called The Uniform of Leadership, Lessons on True Success from My ESPN Life. Jason's going to join us next as we talk sports, we talk leadership, we talk church. We're excited to talk to Jason next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, hope for your life alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm, and Aubrey, you know that uh, on our show, I'm the sports guy. Absolutely. You are the uh, sports guy. Right, right. You're married to a former college football player, this, but uh, sports is my thing on the show. So uh, I am thrilled for our next guest. He is the host of the Sports Spectrum podcast, former ESPN producer, working on all sorts of projects that we're going to talk about through the course of the interview. His name is Jason Romano. Jason, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure, man. Hey, uh, before we jump into uh, tiny your story and sports spectrum, why don't you just introduce yourself to our audience so they can get to know you a little bit better? Absolutely. Yeah, I've, uh, I, I'm the director of media for Sports Spectrum currently, uh, also hosting the podcast, as you mentioned, our Sports Spectrum podcast, kind of leading a team uh, to tell stories of sports, but intersecting with faith. We bring, mm. we like to say we bring Jesus into the sports conversation. Uh, I've been doing that for four and a half years. Uh, I'm married to uh, my wife, Dawn. I have a daughter, Sarah, who's 17 and getting ready to graduate high school mm. in June of next year. And Lots of changes happening in our oh, household. Wow. Uh, so <laughs> that's an exciting time as well. But also um, having worked at ESPN for 17 years, I think a lot of people might recognize that name and know, you know, the four letters at ESPN. And so I, I really had an amazing career working there. And uh, and now I get to do Sports Spectrum. So it's been great. That is awesome. And Jason, I would love to just kind of jump in on that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that story? So you're at ESPN for many years. All of a sudden, you're at Sports Spectrum. How did God move you from one place to the next? Well, that's a great question. And that's a great way to put it, God moving me, because I tell people there's no way if if it was my own choice uh, would I have ever left ESPN? And I say that because I, I love sports. Uh, it was a dream, uh, maybe even beyond my dreams, to end up at a place like ESPN. And I got to do some incredible things, meet some amazing people, work on shows that millions and millions of people watch every day uh, on ESPN, whether it's Sports Center or Mike and Mike in the Morning or NFL Live, all these shows, Monday Night Football. So I had the opportunity to work on some of the shows that I watched as a kid and growing up. And so why would I ever want to leave that? Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And yet, um, and God kind of does what God does sometimes, and he nudges us, and he nudged me. I, I would say a couple years before I left, and I left in 2017, I started just getting this nudge from God to to do more for him. And I didn't know that that meant leaving ESPN. I just knew that I really wanted to have uh, this deeper relationship and kind of feel like my work was a little bit more purposeful um, and not just about success, but really about significance hmm. in where I was headed in, I guess, the second half of my life. I was about hmm. 42 at the time. And all of a sudden, this opportunity came with Sports Spectrum, and it didn't make sense because it was a 40% pay cut. It was a contract wow. job. There were no benefits. Wow. But yet, I still felt like this is where God wanted me to to take this leap of faith, if you will, um, mm. after a lot of prayer and a many, many, many conversations with my wife. Uh, we said yes to this, and I took wow. the leap. But I will tell you, I had no idea that this was going to be successful in the sense of yeah. where we've been the last four and a half years. I just knew if it was from God, he would make a way. And if it wasn't, the door would shut or it would crumble and I would probably be back at ESPN. But here we are four and a half years later. Mm. And I love the work that I get to do each day. Uh, and I say get to instead of got to, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's work that I I feel like it's more pers- purposeful. It's It's bringing stories of Jesus into the conversation. It's talking to athletes about the most important thing in their life and they never get to talk about it really anywhere else. They're not going to talk about that at ESPN because ESPN is not interested in asking them, Uh, but we are, and we get to do this now. And it's been an amazing blessing for the last four and a half years. That is awesome. That's a great story of of faith and kind of jumping out on a limb. And now Jason, the sports spectrum podcast, as you talk to athletes, uh, why is it um, that athletes kind of connect so well with an audience? Why is it, what are some of the stories you hear from people like, man, my favorite athlete also follows Jesus. That must be really fun for you to hear. Yeah, especially it's weird. When I worked at ESPN, I used to single out specific athletes who might praise God or or talk about Jesus, you know, sort of by working that into the conversation. I was like, yes, good job. I love seeing people who who love Jesus. But when I left, I didn't realize there were that many athletes in this world who and even not just athletes, but coaches and broadcasters and authors and writers who are all connected to sports that love Jesus. I didn't mm. realize that. In fact, yeah. I thought after the first year, we would run out of guests on our show. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how we're going to fill a show every week with a new guest. Uh, but now we're at three days a week, you know, doing this podcast. And there are so many people um, and we've had some repeat guests, but I just love talking to to these people who have large influences, who a lot of people watch and they understand that their platform can be used to point people away from them and towards God. Mm. And that is just so refreshing in a world that really is focused on pointing people to themselves, especially when you think of social media and Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and you know selfies and yeah. TikTok and all of these things where you're looking for likes and you're looking for approval. There are a lot of athletes out there who Obviously, they struggle with that, but they really want to point people to Jesus. And uh, they don't get to tell those stories too many places. And I'm just, Mm. I'm really honored that we get to do it. And I get excited every time I get to talk to an athlete uh, or a coach who wants to talk about their faith in God and share their testimony. 
Oh, so cool. Jason, the title of your book that came out last year is called The Uniform of Leadership Lessons on True Success from My ESPN Life. And I love that little phrase in the subtitle, true success. And you just said something uh, really similar that you wanted a life that wasn't just about success, but about significance. Can you explain to our listeners what is true success as you've learned it over the years? Yeah, it took me a while to learn this, Mm -hmm. Aubrey, that's for sure. I think when I was growing up and, and even working at ESPN and going through my journey, I was so focused on, you know, climbing the corporate ladder and getting approval from my peers and, you know, making more money and getting that new title. And yet that's not success in the eyes of the world. It might be, they might look at you or me and say, Hey, look where you get to do, look at the jobs that you've had. You're a successful person. But we did use that, that line, true success intentionally in the book and for the title, their subtitle, I guess, because true success to me is about the impact that you make on other people. Mm. It's about serving others. It's about, you know, first of all, putting God in its proper place at the center of your life. And then from that, living a life of sacrifice and service to others. And when you do that, that's true success to me. And the great leaders are those that serve. Um, Jesus Mm. is the greatest leader I've ever seen. And what did he say in Matthew 20? He said, listen, I came not to be served, but to serve. And so when you look at Jesus saying that, um, that's the example that I've wanted to be. That's the example that I've seen some of the great leaders in the world be. And that's the what I think is the definition of true success. That's great. And Jason's going to stay with us here for a little bit more. But Jason, before uh, we uh, before we go to a break, let me ask you about the uh, 52 week devotional that you guys have coming out. It's a perfect Christmas book. As you said off air, it's a stocking stuffer. It's something great for the holidays. Let our people know about this 52 week devotional. Yeah, this this new devotional that we just finished, we've been working hard for a few months on this. Um, and we have a great writer, Josh Cooley, who was sort of the curator of this book. And it's called The Increase 52-Week Devotional. So it's a, vo- a devotional that you can get. It's about 112 pages or so that you can go through each week with yourself, you know, to kind of, you know, to, you know, help you on your faith, or you can do it with a team or with a few people. And it's out in the middle of November. It's available for pre-order now. It's called The Increase 52-Week Devotional, Inspiring Stories of Faith from the World of Pro Sports. And the stories that you're going to read about each week stem from conversations that took place on our Sports Spectrum show. So we're really excited about this. The idea of the increase is John 3.30, the increase in Christ, the decrease of self. And this devotional, I think, like you said, is a perfect you know Christmas idea, holiday gift, stocking stuffer. It's called The Increase 52-Week Devotional. It's on Amazon right now to pre-order, and we're just excited about it. Awesome. Jason Romano is the host of the Sports Spectrum podcast, former ESPN producer. And Jason, obviously your life is, uh, you're a Christ follower, and you're trying to link uh, sports and faith and help people kind of on a broad scale. How do team sports, how do sports uh, people who are involved in sports, how does it help us understand our faith and grow in our faith better? It's a great question. I think and there's a, there's a little bit of a stigma with sports um, because there's a lot of people that really don't like sports. There's a lot of people that love sports, obviously, but there's some that kind of you know are casual fans or may not even care about it. But when you start talking to people who play sports, you realize they're just people hmm. who go through the same struggles and go through the same um, 
you know, things that we go through, whether it's temptation, whether it's identity issues, whether it's financial issues, marriage issues, athletes are going through the same thing all of us do. Now, there are some people who are very cynical and say, listen, well, they make thousands and thousands of millions of dollars. Uh, it must be a nice problem to have. But mm. a lot of them don't. I mean, there's a few that do, but many don't. Many are going from job to job, year to year, making minimum amounts of money and they don't know what's going to happen in the next year. And when you talk to these people, I think you realize sports really is about the people and the stories behind the people. Yes, the games are great. I love sports. I love watching games and rooting for my teams. And I hope they win every time they play. But when you really get to talk to the people, you realize, man, there's some there's some amazing people who who have amazing stories. And the topper is that they love God. And that's the stories that we get to tell. And when you link those two together, I mean, sports is such a wonderful way to share the gospel, hmm. isn't it? I mean, when yeah. you talk about an athlete and the platform that they have to be able to talk to others about Jesus or share about Christ uh, in, a, in a really bold way, to me, that's it. And there yeah, are so many fun. athletes that I can talk about and point to that have done this in an, in an amazing way. Some do it you know, very vocally. Others do it in ways to serve and to give back and use that as an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So I, I think sports is the perfect vehicle to talk about faith, to, to introduce faith and, and to do it in a way that isn't, you know, pushy or shoving it in mm, people's faces. Yeah. It's just the reality of who these athletes are and what they, what they believe in. Oh, that's so good, Jason is, I don't know if this is a fair question to ask you, but is there a story uh, that does stand out to you? Like one of those athletes who you're just surprised by the things that they're doing for the kingdom of God? Well, I don't know about surprised. I may be surprised in the sense that they're doing more than I thought. Mm. Um, I remember when I met my my childhood hero, Daryl Strawberry. <laughs> and uh, I mean, Brian and I were talking about the Mets before we started mm -hmm. this interview and, you know, suffering Mets fan for 35 <laughs> years. But all you have to do is come into my home office and there's, you know, a Daryl Strawberry jersey up on the wall. Awesome. Well, that tells you the fan I am of Daryl. But then you meet the person, Daryl, and what he's been through. And if anybody remembers his name, he was an amazing baseball player who had a really downward spiral yeah. in the second half of his career, drugs, alcohol, just some a lot of issues that he had. He even battled cancer. He had a lot of issues. He was in jail, post-playing career, and just on a downward spiral. Uh, and then God got a hold of him. And he had some you know, some roots planted in him about faith and some seeds that were planted in him uh, early on. But he really didn't, and he tells the story, he really didn't get serious about God until he was probably in his mid to late 40s. Mm. And suddenly, over the last 10 years, Daryl Strawberry is now a traveling evangelist. Amazing. <laughs> He's a pastor. He goes to churches every Sunday. Go follow his Instagram and you'll see every Sunday and preaches the gospel. Because yeah. that's all he cares about. Yeah. And now he's going to be, I think, 60 next year. And and in this second half of his life, he uses baseball as a platform to get people to listen to, to him talk. But all he wants to do is talk about Christ and the gospel. And, and also the fact that him and I have met and become friendly now, I just shake my head at yeah. all of that because if 14-year-old Jason knew that he would have Daryl Strawberry write the forward to his first book and become friends with him, I would have laughed in all of your faces and said, yeah. no 
way, no how, but it's happened. But I like telling stories about Daryl because of what he's doing and the impact that he's making. Yeah, it's it's so great. That yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Anyone who is at all uh, familiar with the mid eighties Mets like that, <laughs> the fact that Daryl Strawberry is having an impact on the kingdom is just a sign of God's redemption. And I would say Daryl Strawberry, there was a poster on my bedroom wall as well, mm-hmm. <laughs> like growing up as well. Yeah. Uh, Jason, you guys are doing an, another show. Uh, football show. Football such a popular thing in our country. It's in many ways our national pastime now. Tell us about that project you guys are doing. Yeah, it's a really cool thing. Every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central for those in Illinois who might want to check it out. We stream a, a new football show that we launched back in September, and it goes all the way to the end of January. It's called Sports Spectrum's Weekly Slant. It's the only faith in football show that I can find out there. So everybody who loves football, and loves Jesus, this is the show, right? Because each week you're going to hear from coaches, from players, from even a high schooler. Just yesterday, we talked to a high school quarterback named Cade Klubnick from Westlake High School in Austin, Texas, who's going to be a recruit and playing at Clemson University next year. So we'll talk to high school kids. We'll talk to college coaches, college players, and of course, in the NFL. But the, the uniqueness about this show, there's a lot of football shows out there. I would venture to say there's a lot of faith shows out there, Mm -hmm. but there aren't many. I can't find any, actually, that will talk about football and bring Jesus into that conversation. Mm. So we're excited about it. It's been going now for uh, a couple months or so, and it's called The Weekly Slant. It's at sportspectrum.com, which is our website, or you can just stream it on YouTube or Facebook. And it's been a real neat thing because I don't just have to host every week. I got a couple other people who are coming in and hosting, and I get to produce a little bit, too. So I get to kind of, you know, go back to my old producing chops from back in the day at ESPN. And I just love it. It's so much fun. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's football and it's faith. Like, what, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yeah. That is so awesome. Okay, Jason, um, you know, for people who I'm not going to name myself, but just someone <laughs> else in the world who might not be as passionate about sports as Brian is, for example, as you are, for example, um, why should I watch Sports Spectrum or listen to the Sports Spectrum podcast? Why should I watch the weekly slant show? I'm a follower of Jesus, so I'm excited about what you're doing. Like, what does yeah. the average person learn from sports and faith? I love that question, Aubrey. I think it's because it's the gospel being presented, right? Like, so mm-hmm. for me, I may not like I don't know. I, I have no idea what it would be, but I don't know, sewing, right? Or something <laughs> like that. But if on this sewing show, a person was sharing their testimony, you would listen and you'd probably be moved by it because it's not about what they do. It's about what Jesus has done in them. Amen. That's what this show is about or the work that we get to do at Sports Spectrum or the articles that you might read on our website. It's not about the athlete. Yes, sports is a great way. And if you're a sports fan, it's perfect. But if you don't like sports, you still will be interested in reading these stories or hearing these stories, because if you love Jesus, that's what it's about. Mm. And so you you root for people. I mean, I think a lot of people who don't care for sports that much will tune into the Olympics, right? And yeah. why do they tune into the Olympics? Because there are stories behind the athletes. And often for us, we get to share a lot of those stories as well from the Olympic Olympic athletes, but in all sports. It's about Jesus. And that's really what it comes down to with the show that we do, even though we, it's, it's funny. We're, I think we're a 
evangelistic resource disguised as a sports show. Love that. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> That's really what we are. So awesome. I think everybody would be interested in that. Awesome. Jason Romano is the host of the Sports Spectrum podcast. You can check out all that they're doing at sportspectrum.com. That's sportspectrum.com. You can also learn more about Jason at jasonromano.com and on Twitter at Jason Romano. Jason, this was great. Hopefully we'll have you on a year from now celebrating a Mets World Series. You might do that. But, uh, until Brian, then, your lips to God's ears. Yeah. Thanks for all you're doing, bud. This is fun. Thanks for joining us today. Brian and Aubrey, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. And Aubrey, excited to uh, interview right now a teammate here on AM 1160. He's senior pastor of Hope Community Bible Church in Park Ridge. He's also the host of a show called Show Them Grace, heard every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on AM 1160. His name is Chuck Maronis. Chuck, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. We're really excited to have you join us. And Chuck, I'd love to just start off by talking about the show, uh, which, as I said, is called Show Them Grace on at 10 a.m. here on Sundays. Uh, tell us about this show. What's what, what's kind of the feel of the show? And more importantly, what is your hope that people will get from the show? Well, I think um, we're looking for more conduits and ways for people to hear the gospel. And um, I think that, you know, opening up an opportunity for us to get on the airwaves uh, in radio is a whole other audience that we're probably not really connecting with. And uh, we really want people to have an opportunity to hear clarity. I think that's really our goal at our church is uh, being a real orthodox in our biblical uh, interpretation of things, but we want to make sure there's precision and there's clarity in people's understanding of the gospel specifically. And uh, I think that's really our goal is, is that we would sharpen people uh, in their biblical acumen, I guess you could say. That's awesome. And, and Chuck, let's step back for just a minute, because I would love to hear part of your story. How did God call you to become a pastor? I grew up in a in a very religious home, but uh, it wasn't a Christian home. And uh, I was uh, on the outside looking in. And uh, through a series of events, I went to a youth program where I found Christ. And uh, it was so revolutionary to me. There was such a huge weight lifted off of my shoulders, um, uh, heaped of guilt for many years, uh, that I was, um, it just was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And and so from that time on, even from that age of eighth grade, I just couldn't think of anything better to do than to give my life to let other people know what I found. And I think that led me into that um, journey to decide how best to let God use me. And um, it even, you know, mm-hmm. caused me to do a lot of soul searching uh, in my, uh, you know, post college years when I graduated from Bible college to decide whether I was going to be a missionary or whether I wanted to be a pastor. And uh, that that's even what sent me off to Japan. Uh, I went on a short term mission trip there for a year. Yeah. to teach English, but that was one of really my goals is to, you know, help me decide, does God want me on the mission field or does, does God want me to be a pastor? 
And tell us about your time teaching in Japan. I think I was even reading that you started the first Awana Club in Japan, which is just an amazing thing. Why don't you tell us about your time in Japan and what that did to your faith? It was revolutionary. I mean, this transformative experience when you get outside of these um, uh, these borders of the United States, you see a whole other world and uh, you develop a, a different burden for people. And I had come from... Uh, uh, a church where I where I got saved was Northside Gospel Center, where Awana was founded, and uh, so I had Awana running through my veins. And one of the men that uh, actually prompted me and encouraged me to go to Japan was Art Rohrheim. He was the uh, actual founder of Awana and uh, uh, president. Uh, he just died uh, recently, and uh, but what a what a great man! What a mentor I had in him. A fantastic legacy of uh, people in my life. Uh, but he actually kind of pushed me and then prodded me and said, why don't you go to Japan for a year and get a little experience over there? And uh, I think this would be good for you. And I think he knew that um, I also would be bringing my heartbeat for Awana there too. And so when I got there, I partnered with some churches that were there and got the school to allow us to use their facility that I was teaching at to run an Awana program. And um, it was fantastic. It was uh, just a great um, foray into cross-cultural ministry. And uh, it was just, it was really something else. And uh, God used it. We saw just a ton of kids get saved in that year. And um, I think that that prompted other churches in other parts of Japan to get going. And now there are many churches in Japan that have the Awana program. But uh, that was something to just get people, I guess, uh, jump-started. And uh, so it was exciting. And uh, I'm glad that uh, that ministry and those ministries have continued in various churches, and it's expanded. So, yeah, it's, it, was, it was great. But after that year, I, I still felt very burdened for the church and the churches back home, feeling like we were not really fulfilling our calling, and we were under... Uh, utilizing our giftedness and and just really not going to our full potential, I guess you could say, as Christians. So, you know, I, I just I think that's what led me back to America and wanting to uh, just invest myself fully into ministry in the church. That's fantastic. And Chuck, we're so excited for our listeners to get to know you on Show Them Grace. Again, that's every Sunday at 10 a.m. on AM 1160 right here. Can you tell our listeners what they can expect when they tune into the show? What's the message? What's the heart that you want to share with people? Well, we we just want to look at the scriptures. We don't want to really um, go off into our political or personal uh, opinions and meanings that we have. We want to say, this is what God has to say. And that's where we find truth. And um, I think that there are so many broken people in this broken world. And, and we're looking to just provide answers because the world doesn't have any. Uh, so the church at large, and hopefully our church, um, our goal is to be a source for hope and, and direction and purpose and meaning and these are all the things that everyone is looking for, and we have the answers. I mean, I, I think about it, you know, we, we have the truth because we have Christ, who is the truth. And so the reason that we wanted to uh, get this um, this new direction of our ministry off is we wanted people to be exposed to um, 
another message uh, to counter all of the false messages that are out there. And, and so we, we, we're really eager to see what kind of um, response and feedback that we would get from people. And uh, we're going to continue to develop it because um, we want to uh, not just meet people's felt needs, but their real needs. And I think that's what our goal is. Oh, that's so good. We're really excited for you, Chuck. The show is called Show Them Grace. It's heard Sundays at 10 a.m. right here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. You can also learn more about Chuck at hopecommunitybible.church. That's hopecommunitybible.church as Chuck is the senior pastor of Hope Community Bible Church in Park Ridge. Uh, you can also connect with them on Facebook at Hope Community Bible. We Again, we'd encourage everybody to give it a listen called Show Them Grace, heard Sundays at 10 a.m. right here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Chuck, it's great to have you on today. It's good to meet you. Thanks for spending some time with us. No, it was a privilege, and I'm looking forward to many different opportunities where we can connect. And so we're looking forward to that, and we do welcome everybody out. Um, we're living in an a chartered territory. And uh, so we want to want to go to ha- head into the future together with our armor on. So let's, uh, let's keep working together and we'll look forward to seeing what God has planned. Amen. That's a good word. Again, show them grace Sundays, 10 a.m. on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. You are listening to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you with us today. There is an audio excerpt from the Persuasion podcast. Uh, it's from Christ and Pop Culture, and it, it kind of gets us. They're talking about Frankenstein. They're talking about this, but fundamentally, they're talking about mistakes. Right. And, and what I want us to wrestle with, Aubrey, after we hear this is, uh, as a Christ follower, what do you do with your mistakes when you screw up? What mm-hmm. do you do? But let's begin by listening to just a little bit of this podcast. Back to the question of how we we cope with our mistakes. I think this has been throughout the book. We see this avoidance and we see him running away from mm-hmm. his mistakes. We see it physically where he creates the being. And the first thing he does is runs away. So he's running away from responsibility throughout the entire book. And yet there's also this sense that he himself had to deal with this, that he had created this problem. Therefore he was the one who had to resolve it and he couldn't bring other people into it. And Mm -hmm. I was just struck how much that goes against kind of a Christian understanding of how we deal with our mistakes. And within a Christian framework, it is that we would confess that we would bring our mistakes out in the open Because we know we have safety, because we believe in grace, because we believe in forgiveness, that part of repentance of whatever we're dealing with is confessing that, bringing it into the light, and then getting the help we need, getting other people involved in coming alongside us and, you know, dealing with the creature that is hounding us. All right. So this is a fundamental question on the road of sanctification, right? Where we're absolutely uh, in the already not yet, right? We're not yet made like Christ, but we are saved and we are justified, but still being sanctified. Uh, 
we're going to screw up along the way, sometimes in colossal ways, sometimes in small and frustrating ways. Uh, and so, Aubrey, this kind of discussed different ways that we deal with this. But fundamentally, that that struggle is kind of the struggle of the Christian life, wouldn't you say? Oh, what? How do we respond to our mistakes? Absolutely. I think that's a that's an identity struggle as well, because I think the way we respond to our mistakes says a lot about us. So, for instance, for me, I tend to operate from a place of just deep shame when I make a mistake. Mm. And so I go straight to that shame place. I think for others, they respond with a lot of like anger, right? Or other people uh, avoid the mistake. And so they go take a nap or they go zone out on Netflix. And I think other people probably um, probably feel a, a sense of just like, total guilt and something Mm -hmm. is wrong Mm -hmm. with them. You know, it's an identity issue, right? And it's our identity before the Lord, because I think the question is, what must God think of us because of the mistakes that we've made? And obviously, that's a spectrum. There are small mistakes you make here and there, uh, not stopping when you knew you should have, but you didn't harm anybody. But then there are like the big mistakes that are life-altering and um, that that question, what do we do then, I think is a hard question to answer, but an important question to answer. Yeah. And I think there's a couple different aspects to this, right? Like, how do we deal with the consequences of the mistakes we've mm-hmm. made? Like, there, with our mistakes come uh, consequences. But then also, I, I think um, oftentimes what happens when we make mistakes, and by mistakes, you know, maybe we're uh, these are sin, you know, maybe it's sinfulness in our life, or maybe it's just, uh, you know, I haven't been treating somebody well or whatever else. We often go to what you talked about, the guilt and shame aspect of it and be like, God could never love me anymore. Right. I've now failed. God's given up on me. Uh, and, and that's a really dangerous spot to get to, but one that is easy to get to because we mess up this justified and sanctified. Gosh, I've, I've put my faith in Christ. I'm saved. I shouldn't ever sin anymore. Uh, I shouldn't ever, you know, struggle anymore. I shouldn't yeah. ever doubt anymore. And Aubrey, don't you think though, it becomes really dangerous when we get to the point in our faith journey, in our life where we go, God could never love me or forgive mm. me or accept me anymore. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly, we've forgotten the gospel, haven't we? And mm-hmm. it's so easy to do that. I think that I, I think I told you I'm leading a Bible study through Romans right now. And it's just been so good to remember that like, no, the law doesn't save me. No, I don't have the power to save me. It is Jesus Christ alone who took the punishment that I deserve. And so I think just knowing like, no, we are not beyond making mistakes. It's not possible. Like we are human beings and human beings err, period. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But by the grace of God, he can transform our mistakes into something really beautiful when we surrender then to him. And I do think that doesn't mean avoiding consequences. Consequences are part of our sanctification journey. It doesn't mean avoiding the people that we've hurt. Like we have to go to them and do the work to make the relationship right as much as we can. Um, but it also doesn't mean hiding in shame. It means like returning to the table, knowing that it's a grace table and you're invited there no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. And that becomes really difficult. Like, I don't want to make this sound like it's Mm -mm. an easy thing. Right. And again, when we make mistakes, there are consequences. Yep. Like there, that's not to be like, oh, free grace, nothing wrong with that. Right. There's consequences to the things we say, the things we do, the things we don't do. There are consequences. Uh, but one of those consequences, I don't believe scripturally is 
uh, our Heavenly Father going, that is too far. Mm. Like that, you know, even the death of Jesus on the cross cannot uh, cover that one. Yeah. Uh, and we've got story after story after story of that. Look at the story of the prodigal son. Look at right. Peter. Right. Look at all of these people. But Aubrey, as uh, just kind of wrapping this up, what would you say to the person right now who is just riddled with guilt? Like they are, they, they did something maybe even big where yeah. they're like, ah, man, you don't know what I've done. You don't yeah. know what I've done. Uh, and, and they feel like they, they just feel ashamed. What, what is uh, the step? What is the advice to that person? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it depends on sort of where you are in the journey. I think it, if it's um, a secret, I think it's probably time to tell somebody um, mm. because guilt and shame and sin, they really do fester when we try to cover them. They fester when we try to keep them a secret. And so it doesn't mean you have to go on social media and share your deep, dark stuff with the world. But is there a trusted pastor? Is there a trusted friend? Is mm -hmm. there a trusted therapist, a family member that you can go to and you can say, look, I made this really big mistake and I got I can't carry this on my own anymore and get help. I would say yeah. that's just one really practical thing. And then I think I think too, like you just said, Brian, go to some of those stories in scripture. Look at yes. look at how Peter denied Jesus and yet became the rock on which Jesus built his church. You know, look at Paul, who was a murderer, and how the Lord used him to write the entire New Testament and to build churches and to move the kingdom in such tremendous ways. Um, and look at who God is—that He is ever patient, ever faithful, ever forgiving—and. And you can come to him because of Jesus Amen. without being ashamed. That's a great word. If you're out there and you're struggling, go to him. Don't run from him yeah, yeah. Uh, and there find forgiveness and grace and uh, the ability to keep going. We're really glad that you joined us today. Thanks for being with us. We're going to be back tomorrow from 4 until 6 p.m. Going to be a great show. We hope that you are here with us. For Aubrey Sampson. I'm Brian Fromm. You've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.